0: Linguistic,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Greetings from Cyberdelic Space, this is Lorenzo and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And I'd like to begin today by thanking those kind souls who recently sent a donation to help offset some of the expenses here in the Salon. And I would also particularly like to thank two of our fellow saloners for their uh, recent and wonderful comments about my novel out on the Amazon site. Uh, Your kind words mean a lot to me. So, uh, have you heard about Cambo? Well, until I previewed today's talk, neither had I. First of all, uh, let's note that this is a legal substance, as are uh, Sananga and Hoppe. And when I went to Arrowwood.org to uh, learn about Cambo... I found only two trip reports and nothing else, and uh, those were both from 2010. So I'd say that these substances are uh, still deep in the underground at this point in time. But uh, then again, (laughs) I'm getting old and uh, could well have missed the boat on this. In a way, uh, the synchronicity of today's talk, uh, reaching me in the week just immediately after Daniel Pinchbeck's discussion about toad venom, is uh, kind of interesting, because uh, Cambo turns out to be frog sweat. <laughs> so if a friend asks you what we talk about here in the salon, you can, uh, well, you can say we just discussed toad venom and frog sweat. <laughs> anyway, uh, today we're going to listen to two medicine women. As we rejoin Shana Holm, Home, uh, who will be interviewing Ginny Rutherford about ways in which to integrate these jungle medicines into our Western lifestyles, as you 'll hear in a moment, their topic includes several cleansing and healing medicines that are commonly found in the Amazon but which are only now becoming known in the West now. I'm trying to be funny here, uh, just because I'm me, so please forgive this. (laughs) But the 15-year-old boy in me has uh, got to come out and say this. You see, when I first heard about ayahuasca, I was, uh, well, I was kind of turned off when I learned about the purging, you know, the barfing, throwing up that often went with an ayahuasca experience. So now we come to Cambo, which uh, not only includes purging, (laughs) but on top of that, you're going to get burned as well. Now, maybe I got that wrong, so let's join Shauna and Jenny now and uh, see if I got that a little mixed up, or not. Well, I am here
2: today at the home of a medicine woman, and I was, we were actually put together by a mutual friend of ours who herself is a very accomplished medicine woman in her field. And she really wanted us to meet and and uh, and we've had a couple of very in-depth conversations so far. and so i'm I'm so honored now to be at her house, and her name is Ginny Rutherford. And uh, Ginny is uh, doing her initiation and training as a combo practitioner. And she also works with Senenga and Hape. And so she's going to explain a lot today in terms of how these medicines are are used and, and, uh, and what they will do for you. And so I'm going to just start here by reading just an excerpt from an article that I found when I was researching this, and the article is titled, Kambo, the Spirit of the Shaman. And it's by Marcello Bolsha-Gomez, professor of sociology of communication at the Federal University of Rio Grande do Norte. So uh, Professor Gomez begins with a quote saying, quote, Cambo circulates in the heart. Our shaman said that when we take Cambo, it makes the heart move accurately so that things flow, bringing good things to the person. It is as if there was a cloud on the person preventing the good things to come. Then when it takes the combo, it comes a green light, which opens its ways, making things easier." And then he writes, There is a Kashinawa legend that tells that the Indians of the village were very ill, and the shaman Kampu had done everything that was possible to cure them. All medicinal herbs known were used, but none helped his people's agony. Kampu then entered the forest, and under the effect of ayahuasca received the visit of the great god he brought in his hands a frog from which he took a white secretion and taught how to apply. Returning to the tribe and following the guidelines that he had received, the shaman Kampu was able to cure his brother Indians. After his death, the spirit of Kampu has started living in the frog and the Indians began to use its secretion to stay active and healthy. This resin contains peptide substances, Dermorphine and Deltorphine, that are analgesic and that strengthen the immune system, provoking the destruction of pathogenic microorganisms. The substances in the frog secretion also have antibiotic properties and strengthen the immune system through the body's production of antibodies against the poison, also showing great power in the treatment of Parkinson's, AIDS, cancer, depression, and other diseases, The deltrophine and dermorphine today are synthetically produced by pharmaceutical laboratories. There is also, due to its purgative effect, an obvious process of detoxification of the liver, usually one vomits up bitter bile, of intestine through evacuations, and of the entire digestive system. The katukina also use it as the antidote in case of snake bite, medicine for many illnesses, and as a tonic. But to the native... The main cause for taking kambo is to fight panema. Panema means sadness, lack of luck, irritation, bad aura, as someone once well translated. The person is with panema when nothing goes right and nothing is good. The basic purpose of kambo is taking off the panema in order to go hunting and to attract women. When one talks about Cambo and its definition, some are concerned about the forest management of the frog, other chemical patents, others chemical patents, others with therapeutic possibilities of its application, but for the Indians, the explanation is much simpler. The kambo is the spirit of the Pahe kampu accomplishing its mission to protect the health of forest defenders." And so with that, I want to welcome you, Jenny, to this uh, discussion. Thank you so much for, for doing this, for agreeing
1: to this today. Great, Sean. I'm so glad you read that because I always love hearing that. It's a beautiful story about um, how they use this. I mean, we can talk about all of the research and, um, on the scientific level, but I love getting down to just the simple part about what this medicine is about.
2: Well, why don't you first give everyone sort of an idea of how you came
1: to this in the first place? Yeah, yeah I was laugh a little bit because I went to Peru um, a little over a year ago to, and I with the intention of doing ayahuasca, and I was researching that quite heavily, and I came across a BBC documentary by Bruce Perry who had done Cambo, and when I saw that. Uh, documentary, I'm like, holy cow, that is just some crazy shit. I am never doing that. So I had this big resistance to it. Um, And so I went and did my ayahuasca and uh, went through the process of that and all the life change from that. But uh, right after the first of the year, I was um, having a day of just kind of thinking about what the new year was going to bring me. And that little inner voice said, oh, you're going to go do Cambo. And I was like, what? <laughs> I am not going to go do Cambo. Um, but knowing what that really that voice is, I sat down and started researching how to do Cambo. Because I I've come to realize that the things that I'm most afraid of or I resist the most are really are the things that my my soul's longing to do and guiding me. So I found a practitioner in the L. A. area. His name is Simon Scott, and he's with Cambo Cleanse. And he is actually a master practitioner, which is, there's, he's the only one that I am aware of in the United States. So I immediately contacted him, uh, set up a three-day retreat with him, uh, three ceremonies in a row, and flew down to California and and went through the ceremonies. And it was really quite life-changing uh, in a way that it's really difficult to put into words because definitely all the things they talk about, the panima, you know, my experience was that things kind of just started flowing so much easier for me. And um, I had had a low-grade depression. My mother had died a year ago, and that seemed to have lifted. I seemed to have more clarity in my life. But, but the, the thing that I think was most important for me of what I, I brought back from the cambo was something opened up inside of me um, that I had not been connected to for a long time. And, you know, when people ask you, well, what, what is that thing? It's I, I can hardly put words to it, but it was like something that I longed for, that I was denying in myself, um, and, and so how I kind of relate it to is just the magic of life. I felt like I got connected to that magic of life that we have, kind of when we're kids, right? Um, that as we as we get older, we we forget about it or we uh, just discount it, and I felt like I got. In touch with that magic of life again which really gave me such a feeling of purpose because I think what happens uh, as we age and uh, you know my kids are all grown and I have grandkids we start losing our purpose our society has kind of built a built a, a world where the elderly don't have much purpose anymore and we are the elders we are the wisdom keepers And what happens is a lot of people buy into that and we start, uh, you know, not doing things and uh, becoming, you know, old. And what I found the Cambo did is it gave me this new lease on life that I had something to offer the world and um, that I was going to keep experiencing life, that that I am one of the elders of this world and I have a great wisdom to bring to the world. And so it opened up the space for me to do that. So that was like the ice scene on the cake, right? It was the beautiful part of the whole whole thing.
2: Yeah, well, uh, what was the actual ceremony itself
1: like? Yeah, you know, the ceremony, it, it sounds really scary uh, as you're reading about it. And, and literally, the fear is way worse than the actual. So, and um, Simon, who is the master practitioner there, he has this beautiful way of holding space and because of his compassion and his uh, demeanor and his connection with the medicine, you have this real feeling of, uh, of safety and peace. So we arrived. Uh, it was my daughter and I. She decided to do this with me. And we arrived there, and first thing is he gives us a cup of tea, and we sit and talk about what our intention is with the Cambo. And um, so we have a little time just to get settled in. Uh, he has it set up so we have mats and we bring our own blankets. And it's a beautiful setting where he had it set in the uh, Topanga C- uh, Canyon. So there's this I remember this beautiful oak tree that I, I laid next to. And it had such great power. And uh, so I have a great fond memory of that. Uh, first thing that we did was the Sananga. And Sananga is called lightning in the eye. And it is a really powerful ancient medicine. That's how I experienced it. Um, and so what it does, it's, it's made by smashing the roots of a bushy jungle plant, uh, with clean water. And this has been used for generations, um, in the jungle. So what it does is it, um, for serious conditions like depression, insomnia, chemical dependencies or chronic headaches, and even migraines, uh, Senanga could be really helpful when you use it regularly. Okay. Um, for less difficult problems, like just for general clarity, you can simply use it when you when you need to use it. Um but the but the, um, the the Indians believe that sananga not only clears certain physical conditions, but it also dilutes the negative thought forms and removes the inharmonious elements of the energy body. So after the sananga you feel very clear and peaceful and um, I felt very, I felt very into my body, so it pulled me right into the grounded into my body, so that I could really be present to the moment. And uh, but it was a little challenging that first time because it is lightning in the eye. So you, but we breathe through that, and when you get through that, you feel really good.
2: And, and how long does the burning in the eyes last? Yeah,
1: it lasts for. I mean, on a really. Uh, difficult level, maybe for a minute, Okay. and then maybe another minute or two. You're going to lay there with your eyes closed, and then finally you open your eyes, and uh, things just seem a little clearer. It felt like I saw things I hadn't seen before, and um, it was a really, it's a really beautiful start to the the cambo ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it gets us all right there in our bodies, and and it already starts this partial clearing which was amazing as you do Sananga the second time I did it it was much easier and the third time and as I continue to do Sananga it becomes much easier but still get the great benefits of it. I kind of had this thought in my mind that um, because this is such an ancient uh, medicine that we're not used to it and so the first time that we get it we have a big shock because it's it's something foreign to our to our own um, energetic body Mm -hmm. we're like whoa what what is that so we have that reaction to it and then the next time our body's more used to it it's not such a shock to it and then and then it becomes a part of who we are you know and so we can take it much easier so i i mean i would highly recommend the senanga just because the benefits of it are so great
2: and and is the senanga sometimes used before ayahuasca as well are any
1: of these used? Yeah, or... all of these, particularly the cambo. A lot of people will use the cambo before ayahuasca because you already get that purging effect. Mm-hmm. And so when you do ayahuasca, if you have a lot to purge, you're going to spend a lot of time purging rather than getting into the, the beautiful visions and and the healing that that Mother Ayahuasca wants to bring to you. So a lot of people will do cambo uh, first. They'll do it maybe in the morning and mm-hmm. they'll already start that purge and then they get much more benefit out of the ayahuasca when they do it. Okay. So it's a good complementary. Um, I think you could use the Sananga with the ayahuasca, but it's not traditionally. Don't, they don't talk about it so much of using it. Okay, but traditionally it is used with the combo? It is. Okay. Yes, it is traditionally used with the combo okay. for sure. Okay. Um, so that was really beautiful, and we kind of got settled in from that. And then um, and then we went to do the... the um, you can use the happy before the cambo also, which I have done that. Mm-hmm. And what it does is, it is a um, it is a snuff made from the jungle tobacco, and then there's the ash from the sunu tree.
2: Okay.
1: And it's really a very um, well in the in the jungle, the tribes they call it a teacher, a guide, and a powerful healer. So it clears the mind and it gives cohesion to your thoughts and it heals the body. And it's primarily used to enhance your communication power. So a lot of times they will use this when they uh, take it in ceremony, before deals are made and settled, or before making plans, or just to get in touch with your inner self. Hmm. So it's a really lovely medicine too. Um, my experience with it is is that it just clears out my mind. It stops all the inner chatter, and kind of opens that headspace. I always feel like it opens up the headspace into the other realm. For me, mm-hmm. and I'm sure everybody will have their own experience, but that's how I experience it. Okay, so this is the happy. That's the happy, which is spelled how? It's spelled R A P E okay, with a little the accent, yes. uh, yeah, accent on it. Okay, pronounced They're happy. Pronounced happy. happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So once you do that, then you start the cambo, and how that worked, and um, I, again, Simon is a wonderful. I call him a little a gentle warrior. Because uh, so he takes you one at a time and he he intuits how many burn points that you require. He always asks you if you have intuited that, and uh, if you don't know, he intuits that for you. Or what I find is every time he we're right on. We all both have the same number. So the first time that I did it, I really felt like I needed five points. Could you explain the burn point? Yes, I know that's a little shocking. That's, I know that's a <laughs> scary part for most everybody. That was a scary part for me too. But they're really very small, so they make these little burn points. They're more superficial, so they just go through the first couple of layers, you know, and just to open that up, uh, the skin. How, how do they do that? So he takes a little um, vine, and he heats it up so that it's you know red, and mm-hmm. then he just very quickly will touch your skin with it, Okay. and it makes a little mark. And it's very small. It's like the size of maybe a match stick. Mm-hmm. And so my first time I took five. Some people take three. Um, it just depends. And once he makes those little marks, then he he um, will um, put the cambo on it. And once that cambo goes on there, you start feeling the effects fairly quickly. So you you, you will go sit on your mat and um, and... Everybody's kind of holding the space for you, but certainly Simon is holding the space for you, so he doesn't go to the next person until you've kind of got through a a certain period. So my experience was you in about a minute to two minutes, you start feeling heat come up through your body. So the, the cambo doesn't go into your bloodstream, it really goes into your lymphatic system. So I felt this heat coming up through my body, and my ears felt really hot, and my face felt a little tingly. And then I felt this something inside very deep in my uh you know, lower stomach. It was something so very deep, and you could almost feel like it like it felt to be like a like a ball just t- turning, and, and then it starts rising. And it's not like uh, it's not like an illness or anything like that, but you feel this energy that starts to rise, and it rises, and then you, that's when you purge. Hmm. And you purge for about five minutes, five to ten minutes. So before the ceremony, just before you do the cambo, you drink two liters of water. And you do not you do um, fast for at least 12 hours before the ceremony also. So you start purging, and... Um, and it's, a, it's really a very beautiful purge. And it happens very quickly. And some people will, um, you know, will throw up. And some people will, I always say, throw down. <laughs> um, okay. And that's a beautiful purge. <laughs> yes. It is a beautiful purge. Okay. <laughs> and once that is done, and that this is really like 10 to 15 minutes, the whole process, it goes very quickly. And then you will rest for about 45 minutes to an hour. Um and Simon had a cup of tea there waiting. So when you kind of look, you know, felt like sitting up again, you drank your tea. And that's, that's it. And you feel really awesome. You feel very good. You feel like you have some energy. You feel as though something was lifted. Mm. And so the first time, they say that you get about 50% of the effects. Uh, the second time, then about three quarters, about 75%. And then that last, that third time is to me was like the icing on the take, a cake. You get 100% of the effects, and you really feel like a million bucks. You feel like you can take on the world. And then my experience from that was like, oh my gosh, everything's come so easy. I, I it, it just felt like everything flowed so easily.
2: So it's really it's working
1: with you on the physical, but also yes. energetically as well. Exactly. The other thing I found is that I did this on I was I did it on Valentine's Day. Uh, so I said I was gonna be kissed by a frog hmm. on Valentine's Day. But um everybody was going through that terrible, terrible flu and I spent a lot of time around them, the influenza, and I had I didn't get anything. As a matter of fact, I haven't really been sick since I did the um the uh Cambo. So it really you know, in the jungle they call it a vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, in our Western world, we'd call it a poison, of course, Mm -hmm. but I just call it a beautiful, loving medicine. Mm -hmm. And so it really boosts your immune system uh, on a a very large scale. It boosts your immune system, but it also sounds
2: like it really does clear a lot of the mental clutter. Right. Yeah, and uh, there's a shaman in Belize. uh, Her name is Rosita Arvigo, and she apprenticed under a Mayan shaman, Donnelly Hiopanti. And uh, And so he taught her about susto, which uh, is the term for like a spiritual illness. Yes, which I would say modern society uh, is, is in a crisis mode here with so all sorts is. of spiritual illnesses. And so from what you're saying, it, 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 it seems as if, uh, these medicines are clearing a lot of the susto, the Definitely. spiritual, and then that, of course, would have uh, an effect on the physical body, making you much more resilient down the road, and and, and also clearing the mind so that, as you say, uh, it doesn't feel like there is... Uh, because really,
1: it's like the prison is in our mind. The prison is in our mind, and it really kind of opens the gates to that prison. Um one of the things I like about the cambo, because I have done the ayahuasca, the ayahuasca, and, and believe me, it is a it is a life changer also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for the ayahuasca, it really took me months to integrate that and really fully receive all the wisdom from that. And and sometimes I still feel like I'm getting bits and pieces of that. The senanga, or the uh, cambo, you have an immediate effect. So you immediately feel the difference Hmm. and it's not a magic uh, pill which is i think our society is always looking for a magic pill we still have to do our own work we still have to you know look at our our shadow but what this does is it opens us up to be able to do that it clears out those blocks so we can actually look at our shadow and heal that part of ourselves and integrate it and you know and synthesize it into something else and that's what i loved about it it felt like i could actually go and do the work much easier too that I was I'm doing on myself.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. And so, I mean, clearly this is, has made a huge impression on you
1: because you are now training yes. to do this for others. Right. I'm getting ready to leave here in about uh, four or five weeks in July, going to Gdansk, uh, Poland, to train with a master trainer who, who is from uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. to learn how to be a practitioner mm-hmm. on all the different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, I will then go to the jungle in the fall for a month to stay with the tribe and also have that initiation of, um, on, a, on another level. So I always think there's all these different levels that we train on. Um, so I'm looking forward to that also. But yeah, it had a huge effect on my life. As a matter of fact, it changed my life and changed the whole direction of it. So uh, it kind of was like all the things I've been doing the past few years just came to that one moment. And then I had this clarity about what I needed to do for myself, what I was here to do. And um, that, it's just been lovely. I, I feel very clear about my path and my life and who I am and what I need to do.
2: Okay, I want to ask you about the spirits, uh, uh behind these medicines. Definitely. And, and and what your sense is of uh the spirit behind the, the combo, the, the frog. It's frog sweat. Yes? It's frog
1: sweat. Yeah, it and you know in the jungle how they how they actually harvest that is really important because we feel that in our body when we use that the, the combo of the, of the intention and the spirit in which it was harvested. Mm-hmm. So in the jungle the, I mean, you have to be somewhat careful about what, what uh, campbell you're using and where it comes from and who harvests it. Who, because every time there's um, something where money is to be made, there's always people who go out there and just harvest it and do things for the money. Right. So I'm very careful about that, uh, where my sources are, because the, really, the shaman who collect this are very careful in how they collect it from the frog. So they, the, the frog cannot be harmed. Um, they can't over harvest it so they let it go and it uh, so they tie the feet they, t- they they sing to the frog and they get the frog and then they tie the feet and the legs which sounds really bad but the frog is not harmed and then the shaman sings to it and it it sweats hmm. now they cannot reproduce that in um, in, in the laboratory of course so, not yeah <laughs> which is probably irritating I'm sure to big Pharma but so then they collect that on a, a little flat the stick and and dry it and so they can only do so much of that for just a short period of time they let the frog go and then it has the little rings around its feet where it's been tied Uh and so if another shaman sees that frog they know that they because it takes about two months for that to heal and go away Mm. they know that they cannot harvest that frog Mm. and so it makes a big difference in the intention of the harvesting on how you experience it uh, inside your own body of course and the strength of it so mm-hmm. yeah there is a the spirit of that frog is very powerful mm. um, and again you can feel the difference based on the different places in which it comes from and how it's been harvested now the this um, the the Sananga uh, that is a very very ancient powerful spirit and I again I think that's why it's so difficult for us that first time because it kind of it feels like it just has its job to do and it's, that's what it's interested in doing.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just going to go in and do its job to humanity and it's not interested in anything else. So because we're not used to those types of powerful ancient spirits within our own body, the first time is challenging. Uh,
2: I, challenging. I, I, I wonder also if really these medicines serve also to bring us
1: back into our body. That has been my experience. And there's, I think, um, well, my experience is I was, I'm always brought right back into my body on mm-hmm. a very, very deep level, very grounded and centered from it. But I also have this sense of just this, 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 the spirit of and the energy of this medicine just kind of going through and, you know, doing a little scan and getting rid of, uh, you know, healing what needs to go mm-hmm. uh, when i when I'm using it. It's kind of how I feel with it. Mm-hmm. The happy is to me completely different on some respects and of course it is the, the most powerful uh, medicine in the jungle. They have a great deal of respect for the happy and so it can it has to be used with that level of respect and care. So, what it does for me, and like I say, I'm sure everybody has a different experience, but for me, it stops that mental chaotic chatter mm-hmm. it opens up my headspace and it just connects me with a different level, a different none of these are psychedelics um, but it does still connect me with a different uh, dimension in some respects, not on the level that ayahuasca does but You just have to feel connected. And uh, would you say uh, uh, a more expanded awareness? Yes. um, And more of a presence to the moment? Yes. Like I say, I always have difficulty finding the exact right words Yeah, because there's hardly any words that you can put to it. I mean, you know, languages can be difficult to really, when it comes to these plant medicines, I think language does it a disservice. So... For me, I have a really difficult time putting it into a language that fully encompasses how I feel about it. But yeah, I think on a level it does expand our consciousness and there's an expansion of awareness. Um, so yeah, I would say that's a good term.
2: Okay, all right. And uh, and I think it's also very interesting that you've come to this later in life. We were talking a little bit about this before. Uh, also... Well, give us just an idea of your background. Yeah, well... <laughs> and including, you know, your
1: bloodlines, you know, like what, your your yeah. family background? Well, my experience when I was... Uh, my, my great-great-grandmother is a full-blood Cherokee Indian and walked the Trail of Tears. Uh, but I think the next generation, my, my great-grandfather's generation, they denied all of that, uh, that heritage, because... There was shame involved in that. you know the white man shamed um, the Native Americans into not wanting to be that. so they were wanting them to conform to our way the way of life of the, of the white man. So my grandfather very my great grandfather very much did not want to be a part of that, that heritage. Hmm. And what I remember of him was that he was he had this uh, almost this sadness about him, and this anger about him that he kept deep inside, and I always attributed that to the fact that he was in denial of who he who he is, mm-hmm. or who, you know, who he was. Mm-hmm. So as the generations went on, uh, I had this experience a few years ago of meeting a a shaman who said to me, "Oh, you're a Cherokee medicine woman," and uh, which I thought was very interesting because he would have no way of knowing that. I had that heritage and of course I was in complete denial about that too because that was our family history, right? That we mm-hmm. were in denial about mm-hmm. who we who we are. But as the time has gone on, I have realized that yes, that is my heritage and um, I have an opportunity in, in my generation to embrace that again so that my children and grandchildren can embrace who they are also. Um so that's how, that's that was, uh, I was in complete denial about a lot of this. I never took any drugs. I did everything. My, my other grandfather on the other side of the family was a Baptist minister. Mm-hmm. So very steeped in dogma and religion and hell and damnation. Uh, so I, you know, followed that path. And so the thought of doing anything, any kind of drug, uh, drinking, you know, I read the tarot cards. I've been studying the tarot now for, for five years. That would have been just uh, horrifying. That would have been a, a huge sin. <laughs> so coming into who I am has taken some time. And I think that's why later on in life, I think when I got to a certain age, I finally realized that life was passing me by and I wasn't experiencing it. I was... Doing what culture said I should do. Mm-hmm. This is what mm-hmm. culture says you should do, and I was doing that. Staying within the safe container. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I finally came to this place in my life that I wanted to experience life. I felt like I hadn't experienced it, and I wanted to uh, deal with some of my old belief systems. And so I—that's what my journey started at. And I very simply, the first, my first thing I did was I smoked a cigarette when I was fifty on my fiftieth birthday. Mm-hmm as kind of my coming out, you know, my rebellion. Um, and I thought, wow, I smoked a cigarette, and I felt very um, naughty about that, I guess. <laughs> you know, so um, it, was, it was interesting. And so I've gone on this journey of finding out who I am and, uh, and stepping into that, letting go of those old belief systems, which is really such freedom. I feel finally that I have some freedom uh, of that prison of our thoughts and our mind.
2: Right, the belief systems, yeah. yeah. And that takes great courage to go to all the way to Peru and to uh, take a plant medicine totally unfamiliar to you. I mean, that's a big
1: deal. It was. I, I, I always laugh about that because people are like, when I said I'm going to Peru, they're all like, you're going to Peru? You've never talked about going to Peru And my experience was I woke up one morning in the middle of the night with a voice saying to me, you're going to Peru. Mm. And I uh, thought, I don't think I'm going to Peru. (laughs) There's no way I'm going to Peru. I've never wanted to go to Peru. I am not going to Peru. Uh, And then two months later, I went to Peru. But, uh, yeah, that was really, you know, I know it looks like it's very courageous and that, you know, people sometimes look at that as being fearless. But I had fear I just wasn't going to allow that to keep me from experiencing the fullness of life. So it's not like we don't have fear, we do. That's part of the human condition. It's that do we let fear control us or do we um, look at it for what it actually is. And One of my intentions in going to Peru and doing ayahuasca was actually to take a look at my fears. Mm. and. It was so interesting to me how it turned out. The one night that we did not do an ayahuasca ceremony was the night that I actually dealt with my fear. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we all went to bed fairly early because we had been doing, you know, we'd been doing a lot. And I woke up a couple hours later to one of the, to the shaman singing a vintiata, which is a blessing. And they usually sing that to the person when they know they're going to face something Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be challenging. So I heard him singing, and I was thinking, so we're not having a ceremony, why is he singing? And I sat there and listened for a few minutes, and the minute he stopped, this fear came upon me like I've never experienced. It was one of those, and it's hot in the the jungle, of course, but I was so cold, it was that inner, I always think it was like that icy cold hand of death and fear came upon me, and it was it was. Really, really difficult, and I, I, kept thinking, well, maybe I should get up and go see somebody and have one of the shamans help me through this. But um, the minute I had that thought, this started thundering and lightning hmm. in a way that I've never experienced, and it started pouring down rain so hard, it was the biggest storm I've ever heard. And so I, I thought, oh, I'm not going to get up because I'm already afraid. And so I had to really stay in that space and and work through that through the night. And it was—I always say—it was the longest night I've ever experienced. But when the dawn came, I felt like I had looked at my fear and um, and had—I hate to use the word conquer—but I had um, integrated it, I guess, and synthesized it into something else within myself. So well, that night feels like an, uh, an initiation of definitely. sorts. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. So I, I left the jungle. Of all the beautiful experiences I had with ayahuasca, that experience was probably the one that, that was the biggest shift in me, in that um, I could see fear for what it actually is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so now when I feel, feel fear, you know, I usually try to have a conversation with it. You know? Like, who are you and what do you want? and um, Are you here to teach me something? And I usually get an answer, but I don't let it control my life. And I think that's a, I think as we talk about the CAMBO and doing that, most people, when you talk about it, their first initial reaction is fear, and I'm not going to ever do that, and resistance. Because I, I, I get that, that was my first uh, reaction also. But that medicine and all these medicines, and I'm sure, Shauna, you've experienced this too, they call us. Mm-hmm, they do. And when you get that that inkling in the back, that, that small, still voice that says, you should do this, then you should do it. Mm-hmm. That's your inner guidance telling you what your soul's longing to do and what can be of great service to you. So, yes, you may experience a little fear, but if you could just take fear for what it is, just another emotion, just like any other emotion that we have, um, and push through that and listen to that voice of intuition and of your soul. Those are the things that give us the great uh, lessons of life. And to me, that's the magic of life and the great joy and uh, beauty of life. I, I feel so connected to these medicines. I, I can hardly ma- imagine not having them in my life now. They're, they're just so beautiful and have such an effect.
2: We we were talking earlier about how uh, we were both agreeing that these medicines really uh, really usher us back into our our humanity. Yes. And 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 how this artificial construct in which we live, called a society, which is really the world of form. Definitely. And so we've been very caught up in the world of form to literally, you know, the forms we fill out with all that writing, you know, we give them power and it's just a piece of paper, really nothing more. And then there is substance, which is that which animates or enervates the form. And so uh, my feeling is that that is, that substance is, that is what it is to be a human being and to be fully present and, and in relationship with the natural world around us and and uh, I really feel that uh, ma- I call her Mama the earth is calling us back through her plants and then the beings the substance behind these plants uh, the spirits are saying human beings come back
1: yes wake up come back we're not separate um, it, it's I think what I've had an experience, particularly lately, is that it's time to really look at reality because we know this uh, this world of form, yes, there's some there's some realness to it, of course, on that uh, physical level, but we have so many other levels, and we don't experience all of them, but we really it's really helpful, I find to look at reality go past all the stuff all of culture uh, I always love Terence McKenna because his saying is culture is not our friend mm-hmm. and when we can get past culture and start seeing reality for what it actually is because my, my experience with myself but a lot of other people is that we don't want to look at reality we want to construct this stuff in our mind because it feels safe to us and, the, and and the reality of it is is that isn't safe at all so when we can start looking at reality for what it actually is and see the realness of it that's our freedom yes seeing what is real and what is illusion
2: yes and and also to be a seer Yes. You you must be able to see the whole thing. You don't yes. get to choose. You don't yes. get to be in preference. You, nope. you 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 must see it all. You must see what is real and what is illusion.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I had this experience just the other day with one of, uh, of one of my uh, uh, one of my customer, my clients that I work with. Uh, we were doing some tarot work, and that's exactly what shut up. Uh, For her, you know, her life has just been so hard to to deal with. And what the cards were saying is that you're not looking at reality. You know, you have choices. And I think a lot of times we feel like we don't have choices. And we have all kinds of choices, and we just can't see them. So when we actually start looking at the reality of the situations, we can make choices. And we use our will in a skillful way. I feel like our society has stopped using their will. Um, I'm not talking about that strong will where we plow th- through things. I'm talking about using our will in a very skillful way. I think we've lost our ability to do that. And that's why we suffer so much. Because we think we have no choice. We think we, uh, this is the way it has to be. And when we start getting in touch with the fact that we have choices... And using our own will in that way we really do feel free and that's what these plant medicines do they help us to see that that's what they've done for me anyway i don't know what your experience but for me they've helped me to see that
2: oh absolutely absolutely well and 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 they 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 clear out so much of the clutter they clear yes. out the old belief systems and uh, they clear out well, they make it very <clears throat> clear to you, you know, what your fears are, what is holding you back. And that is a huge assist. And then when you uh, are complete with that experience with the medicine, then you must then, you know, walk that path of your life and take the steps necessary to uh, activate
1: what you received. And and that takes will. It does. It takes an act of will. And I had this experience... On the very last ayahuasca ceremony, which this was so beautiful for me, is that I actually experienced love. Now, when we say the word love, people think of that emotional uh, love, right? That there's an emotion involved with that. But when I experienced divine love, there was no emotion to it. It was a knowing. And so I had this sense that knowledge is love. And I can you know, it's hard for me to put that into real words because it's it's such a it's, a, it's such a knowing inside of me. But that type of love, would you experience that? That that's what then you know there's a knowing that goes along with it. So I always relate knowledge to to that divine love. It isn't that mushy. Oh, you know, uh, all the all we need is love. It's not that. It's that abstract divine love. And I, relate, I definitely relate it to knowledge. So when we are starting to look at the world with knowledge and the reality of it, that to me is divine love. And that's an abstract thought. Uh, I had to once when I had that thought, I had to really ponder on it for quite a while to put that into a context. So would you
2: say it's like gnosis? Definitely, yes. It's gnosis. And that must be found within. No one, in other words, no one can give that to you. And it's not going to be found on the external. And this is also what I see with these medicines uh, including the uh, the combo and the sinega and the the hape, that they are taking you within definitely and and there's that uh, saying from the Bible the the kingdom of heaven is yes. where within, within within you it's all in here and my teacher bru Joy used to say it's not out there yes. he'd say it's in here pointing to himself it's all in here
1: definitely I always love that saying don't comb the mirror so. If we want to change the outside uh, of our experience, we have, uh, we have to comb our own hair. We don't comb the mirror hair, uh, the, the hair in the mirror. We have to comb our own hair, and that changes the reflection of the mirror. So uh, I feel like you're right. We have to go in and change our inside. And does it change the outside? Yeah yes in some ways it does. Yes, we we know there's still uh war and we know there's still all these terrible things that can happen and we know there's we can't control the weather. But something happens inside that takes away the fear of all of that and that uh we can walk in the world with uh, our our own strength and power.
2: Well, I have also noted uh both within myself and numerous people who I've spoken to, and yourself as well, who work with these medicines, that what has uh, happened for them is they have been very activated to be in service. Definitely. And and so here you are. You've had these profound experiences, and it's one thing to go there and have that experience, and, and of course, you know, you change your life, hopefully, uh, in in very positive ways. It's quite another to be uh, uh, inspired to then take on the role of practitioner, to to uh, put in the time and the effort, the commitment to uh, training under someone, if that is required, and, and, and learn as much as you can so that you uh, yourself can make this available to, to others. And I can certainly say, Ginny, that I would love nothing more than to be inducted by you into the Cambo when that time comes, very much so. Oh, that would be my pleasure to do that. Yeah, yeah, but that uh, speaks volumes in, in, in terms of who you are as a, as a person and, and what is important to you, and this planet needs... Healers, definitely. It needs healers. It needs uh, whatever you wish to title it or label it: shaman, medicine person, witch. I don't care what you you call it or healer. But but we need more people like this. And these substances, by the way, are
1: legal that you are speaking yes. of. Yes, yes. They're all legal. Mm-hmm. Um, they because they're not a uh, psychedelic. They have no uh, hallucinogenic properties mm-hmm. they are all legal and and yet they're powerful and activators they are so very powerful I'm um, as you talk about what the world needing and then our us going out and uh, working with other people it's it's I think that comes from the plant myself yeah because our plants the plant medicines are longing you know the shaman they know that if the Western world particularly, doesn't wake up, uh, you know, the whole house of cards is going to come crashing in on all of us. And so these medicines know that they have. there's an intelligence in these medicines that we can't even begin to comprehend. You know, we can talk about all their properties and the peptides that they have on those scientific levels, <clears throat> but we have to go past that to the energetic levels, to all the other levels and what. And the intelligence part of these medicines, um, and and also the whole plant itself, because exactly. our science uh,
2: uh, has a tendency to be very reductionist, mm-hmm. and so it will reduce a plant to the sum of its parts, it's Definitely and then you lose the the whole. And uh, I was studying the work of Dr. Bodog F. Beck, who it was a, a, a he healed people of arthritis and rheumatism with bee venom. And one of the things he said was that it is a cardinal mistake to uh, simply reduce something to the sum of its parts and then isolate those Mm -hmm. parts, that you must have the whole. Otherwise, you are losing, I would say, the spirit of that uh, plant or fungus. Well, it's
1: interesting that you would say that because that's what we've done to the humanity also. Very. That's exactly right. And so that it's it's just no different. It's just what our culture has done. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We've been reduced to really. Well,
2: we're we're cogs in the corporate wheel exactly. of empire, yeah. which is why we are in a society that, of course, uh, tosses aside the uh, its its elders because yes. uh, you know they are perceived as no longer really of of value. Yeah. And so uh, worships uh, youth, and so as my teacher Brujo used to say, we have a nation of children, not just in this country, but in many other uh, westernized countries, we have a nation of children. And so uh, that humanity, that spirit has been cast out in favor of this very highly commercialized, uh, very artificial, ultimately, construct. And then, of course, Uh, you take these us, human beings, out of our natural environment and place us in this very unnatural, or I really see it as an overlay, this commercial system, and lo and behold, people are sick as can be mentally, emotionally, physically, just as any animal taken out of its environment and put into an artificial environment would also become. Yeah, And so, you know, we need to make some adjustments. And I see these plants as, uh, you know, up,
1: up to the task. Well, for sure. I mean, our our Western medicine, you know, there is a place for that. If I got into a bad accident, I would definitely want to have a Western medicine. No question. you kind of put me back together? No question. But Western medicine looks at only one aspect of self. And that's... The, symptom, the, the symptoms of what are going on. And they don't look at the whole. It's also very compartmentalized because
2: you'll see a sure. specialist for the yep. heart, a specialist for the yes. kidneys, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and yet
1: it is a whole organism that must be addressed. Definitely. And I, I always love um, Einstein's, you know, when he said, um, you know, a problem can't be solved at the same level mm-hmm. in which it was created. Mm-hmm. And I think of Einstein probably different than other people. I think of him as a mystic. Because he he's saying, or this is how I hear it, he's saying that if you have a physical problem, you don't always heal it on the physical level. You have to go up to the next level, which the emotional level, and to the uh, the the mental level, and then the spiritual levels. We have to go up another level in order to heal on those the lower levels. So uh, that's the way I that's when, when I hear that being said, and I know everybody has a different interpretation of that but that's how i interpreted it because i i truly think of einstein as a mystic uh i think of isaac newton as a mystic Uh, i don't know how you could have that kind of wisdom uh without being Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. uh,
1: without going into the other realms to uh to bring it forward
2: well now you talk about healing uh physical illness Uh, from a a different level Mm -hmm. didn't you say earlier the senanga is it the senanga or the combo uh has been uh oh i think i I read that has been uh uh associated with uh healing various ailments definitely so how does that work then in your estimate well
1: i feel like it it certainly goes into that physical level but i think the spirit of that goes into another level Mm -hmm. so when I use these medicines, I don't feel like they're they're on the physical level necessarily. Right. Yes, we have an outward uh, uh, expansion of that or we or outward we we see it on a physical level, mm-hmm. but I feel as though it goes onto a higher level.
2: I would agree and and i i I think also, you know being raised in this artificial construct called a society and uh, being educated in the way we have been, or indoctrinated is probably a better word for it, uh, we are very highly limited Mm -hmm. in our scope of of thinking, of awareness. So of course then we would engage these medicines, and uh, they can be quite efficacious at uh, (laughs) clearing a lot of that Uh, mental clutter, and also, I would say, uh, mental dogma and belief systems, getting rid of that because you cannot access that uh, maybe higher-order thinking or higher-order awareness with all that other stuff in the way.
1: I I agree. I think that's the prison.
2: Um... Well, and and we're we're, uh, shown that there's sort of this approach to... uh, managing illness, if you will. I love how they manage illness. There's very little to healing, to actual curing. That's because there's no actual profit in cures, but in any case, just my two cents. Um, (laughs) But I also, I don't believe this, I know this, uh, that we can bypass all of these sort of limited belief systems we have around how you would heal uh, an illness and uh, go into this much higher uh, state of awareness or energetic state. And if that can be accessed, it's like the entire—it's like a domino effect, and the entire physical body uh, re- responds. And, and you can alter uh, a sickness. I mean, many a shaman has experienced that, or a medicine person.
1: Oh, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, a lot of my studies, particularly in relationship to the tarot, has been... Uh, through the Kabbalah and the Tree of Life, and so just how form comes into being uh, based on that uh, uh, way of thinking, it would it would it would say just that. As you're talking, I just got that picture of how we we bring um, we bring things into form, and so at any point uh, as we're going through the Tree of Life. We can change that uh, so that the form is different when it gets so. If we are having a physical issue, as where we actually can go down through that tree and we can change it at some point so that the, the physicality changes too on mm-hmm. the form and form. Right, right. Um, and I know that's a little bit uh, abstract, uh, but I just had that picture of it as you were talking about it of seeing that they say that creation comes like a bolt of lightning. So it starts up here in the etheric level Mm -hmm. and then it just bolts down through all the sephra of the Kabbalah Mm -hmm. to form. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that would be uh, the case even when you have an idea Mm -hmm. about something and where's the idea show me the idea well it's not manifest yet it's just in my mind Mm -hmm. and so then you visualize it and you really mull it over and then and then you start to create it and then eventually that idea comes into
1: the 3d yes we have lost the wonder of creation mm -hmm. because it is it, you know, we actually don't like to use the word magic because it sounds a little sinister. But to well, me, or more ma- people
2: mock it, or they
1: mock it. Yeah, it's been made fun of, and um, but to me, it's magic. Yes, it's yes. just magic how we can take nothing and then here is something all of a sudden. Um, I, that just that's magic to me. It yeah, doesn't even it hardly makes any sense, right? If mm-hmm. you try to. Uh, actually in tech, in, uh, intellectualize it doesn't really make any sense, but it really is magic. But that's how systems are formed. Definitely.
2: People have an idea of, of how they want something to look, and then they uh, cr- they create, they create it, it, and then it's held together really by collective agreement. I mean, yes. we're kind of all playing dress-ups here. Definitely. <laughs> you know, Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and everyone a player on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when we can kind of start getting into that I mean to me that's how we look at reality mm-hmm. for what it really is mm-hmm. uh, it's just uh we're just you know actors on the screen
2: yes my it's so funny that these uh uh the plant medicines the psychoactive ones are, are called hallucinogens. Yes, I, mean, exactly. I always say, crack up because you know? I say, no, no, the actual hallucination is the society in yeah, which exactly. you are living, dear. Uh, and the mushroom has made that so clear to me. Definitely. You know? Like you really you just see with crystal clarity the
1: structures, the construct. Yes, and I think we see how powerful we actually are through the plant medicines, mm-hmm. um, that's the beauty of it, and not power in that negative sense. Because you know everything has a shadow side to it, right? Of course. And we take some we take some concepts and some words, and we always put the negative uh, spin spin on it. Uh-huh. So we think of power as being negative right now in our culture. Um, well, we are shown
2: the negative exactly. aspect of power. I mean, we see people abusing every world leaders. Pretty Definitely. much abusing it. I mean, just egregiously. And yet we
1: have all of this power within us mm-hmm. uh, that we're just not using. We just don't realize we have it, mm-hmm. and that's what we've come here to do. That's the beauty of life, uh, all these experiences, and in some respects, and, and I have uh, fallen into this also in my, you know, first life. I have lived life through my own mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read about it, I've um, studied it, and it wasn't until I actually got out and started experiencing it that I felt alive. I I was just talking about this with somebody recently about this feeling of loneliness. And so many of my friends have talked about, they have lots of friends, they have people around them and family, and yet they have this loneliness inside of them. And so yesterday I was talking to a, a young guy in his early 30s, And I was talking to him, I go, do you ever feel lonely? And he said, yeah, I do. And I started realizing that that loneliness, because I have experienced it too, I haven't experienced it really in quite some time. But that loneliness, it's not loneliness that nobody's around or we don't have friends or family. It's something inside of our soul. Once I started living life, and experiencing life, and going out and getting past my fears, and all my mental constructs, and my belief systems, I have not felt that loneliness again. Mm. Because I feel alive. Mm. And I think that loneliness comes when we're not living. So I've been very intrigued by that. I'm I'm looking to do some study on that, because I've had so many people tell me how lonely they feel.
2: Mm. I would... I would say also that these plants will assist with that greatly because they give you, again, a direct experience that is felt from within. yes. and and for I know for myself uh, and for others, it's that uh, sense uh, uh, of uh, of deep connection, of deep union with something very vast, something very profound. And that never leaves you.
1: Definitely. I mean, we are somebody. We we are here for a reason. We're, we're not just some cosmic accident. Mm. Um, and in some respects, I think, for myself anyway, that's what I felt like the world was telling me. But, but we're not here by accident. No. Uh, no. We, we, we're somebody. We have... Uh, We have an importance to the world. And when we can step into that, for whatever it is, uh, sometimes it's just doing something very quietly, going about our work, that gives us joy. That's when we feel alive. And um, I think it takes us out of our pain and suffering. I I I think what our society, for myself particularly, is that I longed for connection, real connection. Now we've learned to have mental connection in our in our society, and we think that is connection. But we're longing for an emotional connection, and our culture doesn't know how to do that. We, um, or that's been my experience. So I had to really, again, have an act of will of learning to make an emotional connection with people rather than that intellectual connection. Mm. And that changed my, my whole frame of reference and how I experience people. And actually my joy in life has been intensified now that I really can make those emotional connections with people. Mm. Um, it's, it just feels so beautiful to me now. Whereas before, I, again, I keep going back to that loneliness that we experience, and I think it's because we don't have that complete emotional connection with one another um, on those deep levels. And we do long for that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. My goodness. And when when you are adding these medicines into the mix, I mean, you go very
1: deep with people. Oh, the medicines are... Oh, they're... They are like the healer that allows us to make those connections. Uh, for me, anyway, they mm-hmm. were the they were the healer that took that has removed the blocks that has um, you know healed that separation that I sensed. You know that block I always had up with people of you know you can come this far and that's it, um, but you're not going to get any closer because. Mm-hmm. Um, so the medicines actually kind of opened that up, so that I don't have to be afraid for people to see who I am uh, now.
2: Yeah, I, I I see the plant medicines really as I mean there are people who who have different experiences, but I I really see them that they are all about relationship. And at the end uh, of the day, it's not about you know your job. It's not yeah. about you know it, it, it's really about relationship.
1: Yes. And we've lost that in our culture. I think about my time spent in the jungle, how connected uh, we all became
2: mm-hmm. in that
1: you know 10-day period. There was a bond that was built and a connection that was built there that was so satisfying. And I still t- stay connected to these people. But even when they're not around, I feel a connection to them. And those are the connections we, we long for. And again, that are so very satisfying to um, our joy of life um, and our quality of life. But we're, but there's no there's not a lot of space in our culture for those kind of connections. We have to hurry up. You have to get this done, and you've got all this to done, and you've got to do this. And the busier we are, the more we feel. Um, as though we we matter.
2: <laughs> yeah, I read uh, an article a while ago, a really sobering article called something like the, "The Five Most Common Regrets of the Dying." Oh, I
1: read that too. Yeah, it's just such a wake-up call. It's very sobering.
2: Yes, one of the regrets being, I wish I hadn't worked so much. Right. You know, and so, so yes. Well, perhaps this is also. Mm, uh, small but growing evolution, where uh, these plants are calling us back to our humanity, calling us back to reality, what's really real, mm-hmm. and calling us back to relationship.
1: I I believe that is so true. It's um, you know. I don't know where our world's headed or what's going to happen, but I know that these medicines can help us all mm-hmm. to to bring us back. Um, so I I suppose if I said why I feel so drawn to be this practitioner is because I've experienced that coming back to myself and wanting to connect with people and being able to open up to that connection. And I just uh, what I want for myself, I want for others, so that's really my my drive. There's so much pain and suffering out there that I see in people, and you just want them to you know none of us want to be in that pain and suffering, and we don't and we don't have to be there's tools out there that we can use to um, to bring us out of that, and I believe that the plant medicines are instrumental to that
2: I would agree well it is uh it is heartening Ginny to know that uh you are on this path and you will be helping people with this because you are really teeming with wisdom and you have all this life experience behind you and great compassion
1: oh well thanks I I feel uh I remember when we first met, so I felt that same connection with you, that we have similar paths that we're, uh, that we're on and what we're wanting to bring to the world. Yeah, well, Terence McKenna
2: said, find the others. Find the and others. <laughs> uh, we, we are finding each other. I think of us as kindreds and, and others on this path, as, as kindreds, fellow travelers on this path. It's not as trodden path.
1: No, it's not. So it's... Um, it's. Sometimes I find it difficult as I'm talking to people about these medicines that they really have a full understanding. And yet, that's because a lot of times we try to do it on in that intellectual level. And this is something that just has to be experienced to be fully understood. That's
2: right.
1: We can put words to it and uh, talk about it and at the end of the day, only through the experience can you truly have the understanding uh, of what it can do. And um, So I always feel like I lack words <laughs> in talking about it because they just don't seem to be enough.
2: Well, that's because you're absolutely right there. I mean, it's so profound. It's so profound and it is about going within and that's where uh, I think of this as the work of the sacred and taking, bringing us into connection with the sacred. And the sacred is found within, within. each and every one of us. Yep, It's right there. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ginny. This has just been wonderful. And uh, how can people get in touch with you? Or, do you have a website? Um, I, I
1: do have a website right now. It is uh, KamboKiss, with, a, with a Kiss dot mm-hmm. com. And um, you can also go to my Facebook page, uh, Cambo Kiss. And um, we are doing a three-day ceremonies here in Seattle, on the 13th, 14th, and 15th of, of June. Okay. And uh, again, Simon uh, Scott from Cambo Cleanse will be up here doing those ceremonies. So I'm very excited about it for people in this area because it's a great opportunity to experience this wonderful plant medicine without having to fly to L.A. and rent a car and get a hotel. And so it's something that would be a way that some of the Seattle people could experience this in the area. Wonderful. And then you will be offering some of these yourself in the future? Yes. I have one planned September 13th, 14th, and 15th, um, which happens to be a full moon also. Perfect. So... um,
2: and I, that'll be in the Seattle area? It'll be in the Seattle area. Okay.
1: That's going to be a little different retreat. I'm uh, calling it Cambo Complete. Because um, what I find with Cambo in the traditional way that in which it's administered, which I will always follow that traditional way, I always felt like there was a little more people, you know, some of their stuff shows up a little bit and they need some integration mm-hmm. on what their next steps are mm-hmm. after the Cambo. And so I work with a two uh, British-trained psychotherapists who are... Um, She is a um, hypnotherapist, and she does soul-directed therapies. And he is a uh, tarot master and an astrology master. And so we're going to add other things to that workshop so that people can uh, take next steps after the cambo.
2: Fabulous. That's wonderful.
1: I'm very excited about that September retreat.
2: Oh, great. So that will be up on your website. That will be up on the website. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Jenny. Well, thank you so much. Shauna. it has been such a
1: great pleasure.
2: Wonderful. We'll be talking again soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks. You're listening to the Psychedelic Salon, where people are changing their lives one thought at a time.
0: I found it interesting when these medicine women were talking about the ways in which scientists uh, tend to reduce a plant to its individual components, uh, at least chemically. And uh, if you've been with us here in the salon for a while, then you've heard several sides of this discussion from uh, chemists like Sasha Shulgin and plant people like Terence McKenna. And, uh, as you probably know, I come down on the side of the plant people. For example, everybody that I know who has tried pure THC has come away disliking it in that form. Yet, when combined with the more than 50 or 60 other cannabinoids in cannabis, well, they love it. Now, one of the things to keep in mind, though, is that while Sasha did in fact do numerous extractions of psychedelic chemicals from plants, his best work was actually in creating a lot of psychoactive chemicals from scratch. It's an interesting discussion, plants versus chemistry, but if you listen closely, even Sasha is saying that while psilocybin is psilocybin, whether it comes from a plant or the laboratory, he does agree that there are other chemicals in uh, some mushrooms that may have a unique and uh, synergistic effect when the entire plant is consumed. So, uh, where are you on this topic? And the reason that I ask that question right now is to let you know that it's truly all right to not have an opinion about everything. With all of the uh, political discussions going on right now, it seems like we're expected to uh, have an opinion on virtually every question that comes our way. But personally, I find it a better practice, uh, unless I already have a firm opinion about something. I find it best to say, uh, well, that's an interesting question. I'll have to give it some thought when uh, some of these questions come up. But as to the question of plants versus their individual chemical components, I'm uh, firmly on the side of plants. Now, I don't know if you've had an ayahuasca experience yourself yet, but if you have, and if it was done right, then I'm sure that you completely understand what Ginny meant when she was talking about a beautiful purge. (laughs) I know that it sounds gross, but trust me, I've had more than one beautiful purge, and I found it can actually be like floating in the middle of a huge fireworks display in the sky. Truly beautiful it can be. And I also found it interesting to listen to Ginny speak about confronting her fear, which is something that I also did at an ayahuasca ceremony one time. Actually, it was uh, one of my most profound experiences with the vine. However, uh, I'm pretty sure that I told that story already once here in the salon, so I'll spare you today. (laughs) In fact, I see that our time is up today, so I'll uh, save the main part of this announcement for next week, but I think that uh, you may want to know about a nationwide event that's going to take place this coming September 20th. I'm talking about the 920 Coalition, which is organizing dozens of events on the 20th of September, 2015, both in the U.S. and around the world. and. And it's going to be focused on recent research on the role of medicinal psilocybin mushrooms in our society and, uh, and in our health care system. This is something that I think that uh, we can all participate in at some level, and I'll give you more details next week. But if you want to get a jump on the rest of the swaners, you can go to www.920coalition.org for more information. Also, I hope that you or some of your friends will be attending this year's Women's Visionary Congress, which is going to be held in Petaluma, California, from the 19th to the 21st of this month, which uh, is June 2015, for any time travelers who may be with us today. And I'll put a link to their website in today's program notes also, uh, which you know you can get to via psychedelicsalon.us. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be careful out there, my friends.